Could a Florida game give Oklahoma a recruiting boost? We're going to talk to a man that's from Florida, John Garcia, about that. Other recruiting updates as well on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Visit Locked On, sorry, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And Josh, we're going to get into some recruiting stuff. We've got the man, John Garcia, joining us here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. John, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day to talk ball. Yeah, well, we're excited about it. And so one thing I want to touch on first, being that you're from Florida, you're really uh, in touch with what goes on down there in the Sunshine State. Andy Staples of The Athletic paired up the Oklahoma Sooners and the Florida Gators as permanent rivals in the new look SEC. And Josh and I, we've talked about it, but would love to get your insight on how could that benefit Oklahoma? It's kind of an out-of-the-box matchup, but it could actually benefit the Sooners to have that matchup as an annual game. 100%. I I think the SEC move itself will obviously already enhance what Oklahoma does throughout the footprint, and they've always done well in Florida and, and increasingly so over the last few years anyway. So there was always going to be a boost and we'll probably consider it a tangible boost here pretty soon. But if you start actually playing in the swamp every other year, I think that creates a whole different level. Uh, About 10 years ago, we started to see schools take advantage of either new rivals or these neutral site games, and they would start to recruit there a little bit more. I mean, Alabama in Texas comes to mind. Some of these other schools that have been able to to pipeline to, to major cities I think you'll see something similar if Oklahoma starts to play Florida on a consistent basis because it's one thing to to sell the brand. It's another to see the brand, uh, especially one that has such a positive perception around it from not only a traditional and fan base perspective, but a traveling fan base perspective. I think that's an underrated element uh, because, you know, I'm sure when the SEC schedules are all finalized, Oklahoma fans are going to go crazy from a ticket and and vacation perspective. So imagine if Gainesville's on there every couple of years, and now you could plan ahead for for elements like that. Um, It's not something we see every day. And I think that that crimson tint that the stadium would would start to feel, I think that'd be huge um, because it it would be tangible in one of the schools furthest from Oklahoma relative to Florida the crowd, the fans still making that type of trip uh, and making an emphasis on getting to Florida. Recruits see stuff like that. There's there's this perception of borderline apathy in the state of Florida relative to college football outside of Gainesville. So if you can make an impact there, I think even more so than at Miami or, or Florida State, no disrespect, because of, of the tradition and the feel and the perception of both of these schools. So I think that would travel really well for Oklahoma and only enhance uh, the ability to, to pluck talent from this great state. So we know that this coaching staff, the, the Southeast, the coast, Florida in particular, it's been an emphasis for the staff. So obviously that part of it alone is pretty attractive for OU if that came to fruition as a permanent rival. When 
when we say, hey, it, it could help or it would help Oklahoma, is it really just as simple as Oklahoma then these same targets that they've been going after, John, now all of a sudden they get one more opportunity to put a face of Brent Venables and the staff in front of them? I mean, what is the tangible benefit in your mind? It's the it's the ability to be seen. Um, so many kids who down here in particularly who, who who get Oregon offers or USC offers, let's say, they get really excited and then they start to think about it and they're like, oh man, um, my family will never see me play. And that becomes a bit of a detractor. So obviously in the SEC, you're much closer than those schools anyway, even if this this permanent rival situation doesn't work out. But if it does, now you're like, hey almost no matter where you are in the state, a few hours away at worst, every other year you can come see me and you can plan around it and it becomes its own thing. Just It's just easier to be seen by those uh, that matter. Obviously, some kids are in different situations and their parents can come to, to every game, but most can't. Uh, so I just think it, it's something tangible for them to plan and look forward to every other year, if not more. So I think that it just puts a different perspective on the reach of Oklahoma. It doesn't make it seem as far away. It's something that is a little bit more familiar pretty much from, from the moment you get to the SEC. But again, even more so if you know every other year there's there's going to be games here. You know, that team is coming into the state of Florida consistently. Um, and, and it's just, it, re, it expands your reach. It just makes it more comfortable for those, I would say, around the recruit just as much as it does for, for the recruits themselves. And so, like, everybody's given their opinion. We've given our opinions on what we think, like, what would look good for Oklahoma as far as permanent rivals. Do you have a take on that? Is that something that you're at all interested in and seeing how this all lines up? Yeah, of course, right? I mean, how in the world are they going to, you know, put this thing together? That's going to be fascinating. Obviously, I want, selfishly, just journalistically, I want all the traditional rivals to come back around. Obviously, I want, you know, OU and Texas to continue to play each other. And I'd, I'd love to see A&M in that mix because they've – it's seemingly been the one that's pushed back on all this the most. So selfishly, I'm like, Hey, now you got to play them every year. Um, but I understand if it stretches further um, and, and the amount of teams that will be in the conference at that point does create a, a very tough scenario where there's obviously going to have to be some, some shuffle and some change. So I think selfishly those three um, teams playing each other every year would make the most sense to me, but I love the outside the box stuff too. I would love OU in Florida, OU in Georgia. I mean, I'd love to see the, the biggest and brightest brands, you know, against each other as as much as as humanly possible. Although again, it kind of uh, it kind of hurts you at the same time, right? Because you're like, dang, now you know these opponents are already going to be much better. Now they're you know very much better consistently. Uh, but it's just something that you've got to deal with. The SEC gauntlet is a thing for a reason, um, and some schools are in the position where they've got to play these heavyweights more than most. I mean, Auburn has to play Alabama and Georgia every single year. You know, it's just not advantageous right now, but it's just a part of, of the conference and the tradition that um, is being rewritten. So I, I like the outside the box stuff, but I also like the traditional just the same. So I think probably maybe I've asked this in the past to you, John, but if I haven't, let's, or if I have, let's revisit it. What is just the general kind of consensus out there about Brent Venables and Oklahoma right now. What do you hear from recruits when they talk about OU? I think they're almost two separate things. Um, conventionally, the recruits who, who follow the sport religiously and or they've been a recruit for a long time, so they were maybe experiencing the tail end of the Lincoln-Riley era, I think they view Oklahoma perceptionally as this offensive juggernaut uh, that is just something ways away. Like, you're missing something. What is the missing piece 
Obviously, the perception then shifts to the defensive side of the ball. So the newer, the younger recruits, I should say, that don't have that, they view Oklahoma as more of a balanced blue blood, um, which is fascinating, right? They view it as, hey, you've got this great OC who's going to run this great offense that has been good forever, and now you've brought in these superstar defensive coaches that are going to balance that thing out. So they view Oklahoma in a much similar light to a traditional blue blood uh, as opposed to maybe one that has more of an offensive lean like like an Oregon, to use them again, right? So I think it, it's more balanced with the younger recruits, and obviously Venables individually – bring so much experience and energy. I mean, that, that combination is hard to beat on the trail anyway. Um, when you've got so much tangible behind it, it starts to, you know, be, become uh, almost insurmountable. So I think recruits that he's latching on to specifically recognize that. And that's why OU has been able to to go geographically further and, and wider than, than maybe they ever have. We definitely want to dive into just the 2024 timeline. It, it feels like it took until summer last year for Oklahoma, but we're curious sort of when we can expect that to start heating up. We'll get into that in just a moment, but not before I tell you the midway point of the NBA season, we're beyond it. It's here. And now's the perfect time to download the FanDuel Sports app, America's number one sports book. That's because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. John, take it away, my friend. I'm curious as well. I, I think the timeline of these commitment explosions is always – it always kind of makes sense uh, when you look back at it. So naturally, first-year staff last year, you knew it was going to be a little later rather than sooner. So you expect more effort in the previous class. So in, in, in that case, it was what? Finishing the 22 cycle before you really turn the page to 23. So it pushes it into the summer more so than the spring. But – Honestly, I could see that repeating itself this year. Um, th there's not a whole lot of visits set from an official visit perspective. There's a small spring window and a summer window for those trips. A lot of schools in general push towards the summer window more so over time. One, because there's so much uncertainty and you're just busier in the spring with spring football and, and you know your own personnel management and the portal and all that fun stuff. And then two, because you, you can sell – like a, an auxiliary item along with the official visit itself. So yes, you're going to get the dinner at, at Brent's house and you're going to get all the, the photo shoots and all that, but then you can pair it with a barbecue. You can pair it with a football camp. You can pair it with something else that can kind of flex muscle simultaneously. Harder to do that in the spring when you've got to worry about spring practice or spring games or, or what have you. So I do think the summer is, is still one-to-one -one a better scenario for a lot of these these coaching staffs and it will also allow some of the dust to settle at the top of the class before you get into sort of the urgent part of of the season so I, I do think a lot of college coaches want to get through the spring and then really turn that page and go heavy throughout the traditional offseason in in the summer months and push official visits uh there we've seen some schools already start to build these big official visit weekends all of them are in the summer that I've seen, whether it's Notre Dame, Ohio State, Alabama. A lot of them are pushing towards that summer. So I think Oklahoma is going to be in a similar light uh, because 
they've got as much personnel turnover and roster decisions to make as anybody. So I do think the summer makes a lot more sense for a lot of schools because that's when the urgency starts to pick up. Uh, but if you hit early on a Michael Hawkins, a quarterback, something like that, that starts to make a lot of sense, you can always snowball in very short order. But without that, I do think the summer window makes a little bit more sense. So speaking of 2024, Zion Reagans out of Georgia dropped a top 12. Oklahoma's in that. Now, this is not a guy that I'm very familiar with. Uh, being from the East Coast, tell us about him. Where is he kind of leaning? What's kind of who are the guys, the teams that he's most high on in this recruitment? Yeah, top 12. So obviously a lot of schools still in it, but man, Zion can really run. He's small, but he's fast. He might be, you know, the fastest football recruit in this 24 class he's clocked supposedly he's clocked some four two forties i'm i'm reserved on that one but he has tangibly clocked some 10 400 meter dash time so he can really pick him up and put him down and schools are viewing him mostly as kind of this offensive weapon um so naturally when jeff levy in oklahoma gets involved it's something that is you know appealing you know he took a visit uh, i believe recently uh, out to norman uh, came away really impressed with the offense in particular um, obviously, some of the ways that they use some of the more versatile pieces like a Jalil Farouk and Eric Gray, that stuff really starts uh, to resonate with a player like that who's you know smaller and faster like those other guys. So um, having a package or, or some type of unique selling point, I think, is always going to be important. So the early visits there are key for Zion, but still a lot of schools in it. As you mentioned, 12 schools, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Colorado just offer him. So, you know, he'll get out there at some point. So I do think it's pretty wide open at this point. So it's good for Oklahoma to have one visit in the bag. And as we've talked about, they haven't begun to at least publicly push for official visits. So now you have that opportunity to potentially get a, a Georgia guy, a Peach State guy back to Norman for a second visit sometime in the offseason. And I think it's unique because when you're recruiting a player who's shorter and faster, there's there's certain boxes people put him in. So the schools that that leave it more wide open typically do better with those recruits. And, and looking back at an interview he gave about Oklahoma, you know, Zion said it's pretty wide open. It's going to be a versatile package, not just one thing. You're not just the kick returner and the bubble screen guy. It's going to be a little bit more vast. And that's something that Zion is looking for. Track's important, and, and he's focused on track right now, which is probably – going to limit some of the additional visits he takes, which reemphasizes why it's big for Oklahoma to have already gotten one. But track's not his singular focus, and he wants to be known as a football player just as much, which is important because some of those guys don't care. They're like, yeah, I'm going to play both sports and have fun, but I'm a track guy first. Not necessarily the case with Zion, although the numbers maybe suggest that that he should probably focus on track just as much. Um, but when you got it, you got it. And he certainly wants to utilize that uh, at the highest level on the football field offensively which I think is good news for Oklahoma just in general, but it'll probably continue to be good news as his list sort of forms. Cause some of those other schools have gone under a lot of transition, Tennessee, Georgia, replacing offensive coordinators. There's a lot more implementation that they have to go through um, to kind of tangibly sell him on something as opposed to Oklahoma's, which is relatively stable from one year to the next. And that's important, especially with a kid like that, who we think isn't going to wait forever to, to make a decision, even though, again, it's tough for him to make trips right now because of that intense track schedule. So are you comfortable, John, with playing a little bit of fill in the blank before we get you out of here? Sure, let's do it. Oklahoma inks Williams-Winary and David Stone because, and then 
Oklahoma, it it means blank that Oklahoma signed Williams Winery and David Stone. They sign both of them if one jumps on board and starts recruiting the other. Um, if if David Stone comes home first, which who knows, right? He might. Then I think you could start to see a true galvanizing impact just across the defensive line, not just with with Williams. Um, and then if they sign both of them, it means that the defensive perception has shifted. It, it means that it's it's here. It's no longer upcoming. This balance that the younger recruits already talk about, it's tangibly here at this point. And you've now signed two of what the three best defensive linemen in the class. There's not a lot of teams that can claim that over the last five years off the top of my head, Georgia, Bama, AM, Clemson. That's probably it. And, and Brent was a part of a lot of that and Todd Bates. So doing something like that again and building that, that perceptionally, you know, juggernaut Clemson defensive line at Oklahoma that becomes much more of a reality and they're probably a lot better equipped to, to jump into the sec full fledged with, with those guys on board for sure. And on that note, just kind of a follow-up question there on Todd Bates. There's a lot of people that are a little bit concerned that they haven't been able to land that, you know, top 50 defensive line prospect yet. And they got Derek LeBlanc. Uh, people have some mixed reviews on him, but still an ascending player with a lot of tools, a lot of talent. What would you say to the folks that might be a little bit concerned about where Todd Bates is um, currently with Oklahoma and and what they've maybe, or the lack of accomplishment that they've had so far? I would say preach some patience here. Todd Bates has been there and done that at a lot of places and he's very traditional in his style, which isn't the most attractive thing relative to hyping up these kids and throwing out NIL and all that stuff. Um, but he's much more thorough. He's a relationships guy. Um, if he latches on early, like he did at Clemson, to big name recruits and builds over months and really years in, in the obvious cases, you're going to have a good shot to bring in elite D linemen every single cycle. Unfortunately, at Oklahoma, he's early into that tenure, so it's harder to build those specific crimson and cream relationships as opposed to those orange and white ones. So I do think over time – it's going to continuously get better because now those are more longstanding relationships that Bates has been able to sink his teeth into. And that's really his trademark. You sit down and talk to him for five minutes and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Very thorough, very composed, very relaxed. He's not the hype man, strength and conditioning coach with the mustache and the muscles in your face. He, he's not that. He's the opposite. So some recruits don't – I do say some recruits don't um, take that in positively at the beginning but over time they all grow to appreciate it and the mature ones like it from the very beginning because it's a very uh, broad approach where the family's involved it's, it's building relationships with everybody and that takes time so I do think I would say almost every recruiting class on the D-line will get better than the last one the longer that that Todd Bates is there there you have it. Just give Todd Bates a little bit more time. It's going to come to fruition just like it did with DeMarco Murray. It just takes time to settle in and start you know, building those relationships toward a new spot. So I, I agree with you. That's something we, we feel strongly about too. You don't become the recruiter of the year by being a bad recruiter. So it's going to, it's going to come. Well, John, thank you so much again for, for taking the time to spend with us here and, and talk recruiting, talk 2024 class. We'll catch up with you down the road. Make sure you all follow John on Twitter at John Garcia at John Garcia underscore junior. 
uh, over there on Twitter. Make sure you check that out uh, and check him out across the Locked On Podcast Network where he'll be on with all kinds of different shows, Soccer 2024, Recruiting and Beyond. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being part of the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But until next time, we got John Garcia, Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>